Glad to have you guys. Glad to have you here. Thank you guys. Thank you to the band for leading us this morning. Thumbs up to the band. Everybody give a thumbs up to the band. Boomer, thumbs up, buddy. It's good stuff. A um, couple things I want to make mention of. Well, first of all, let me uh, just want to say uh, thank you to uh, to Ben and Penny both. They've uh, taught the last two weeks. Uh, of course, Penny got to do the uh, uh, senior send-off week here a couple weeks ago, and then Ben uh, picked back up in our Peter series uh, this past week with Acts 2, and uh, just appreciate both of them and appreciate their willingness to do that and their, uh, their talents in doing so. Um, and, uh, appreciate the break. Uh, I've kind of not had a break all summer, so it was, it was good to, to get a break. Uh, you need a break from time to time. A couple of things that, um, I want to make mention of that are happening today. If you are involved in the golf scramble, uh, in any such way, whether that's playing, uh, golf or scrambling golf or, uh, eating golf or whatever it is that we're doing today, uh, all these things, that's all happening today. So make sure that you, uh, don't forget that if you've signed up to eat and those kind, those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, that money is going to, uh, we're raising money right now for, uh, our kids. What's, what's been, you know, in the past known as kids church, which will be used not just for kids, but also for students on Wednesday nights and that kind of thing. So, uh, we need to buy a bunch of equipment and whatnot for that. So, um, come give us some money. If you are there today and you're playing or whatever, I'll see you somewhere on the course. I'll be out there launching golf balls with an AR-15 and you can, uh, you can do that too for extra money uh, to give to the kids. So uh, come with your wallets open and ready to, to give some more money and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a good time. We're going to have a good time. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, another thing I want to make mention of uh, is a couple things. Uh, these kind of tie together. Uh, the church is in a season of just, uh, you know, just growth um, very grateful for that. Um, but uh, to kind of give you kind of give you an idea, uh, normally your your church is down in the summertime, uh, and our church church has been up in the summertime, which is great. But uh, with the summertime kind of closing, and we're now kind of getting back into school starting back, and the fall coming, and those types of things, uh, what we're seeing is just massive numbers of people. Uh, I'm bringing this up for a couple reasons. Uh, we're, we've got a thing coming up. I know Ben will talk about this, so I'm not going to give any details to it. We've got a thing coming up uh, for people that might be interested in helping to lead micro churches. Um, maybe you've been in a micro church for a long time. Uh, maybe you have never been in one. Maybe you know you could lead one, but you've been you've been lazy, or you just just been a season where you needed to to chill or whatever it is. But maybe that season is over with. Um, I want to encourage you to pray about being the leader of a micro church. Uh, we do a co-leader type um, setup with that where we try to have uh, co-leaders in each one or whatever. Um, you know, And this may mean that you're breaking off from one that you're in to do this. Listen, that's awesome if you can do that. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, you may feel led to lead, but maybe you don't feel like, uh, you know, I think a lot of people put undue stipulations on what they think their house should be like to have a micro church in it. But 
maybe maybe you're living in a trailer or you know behind a truck down by the river or something i don't know uh you know maybe you don't feel like the people want to have micro church in your camper or something I, I you know that's fine uh but maybe there's somebody else that is out there that has a place to do it uh and they would love you know you know for somebody to step up to help lead it um so i really at the end of the day i'm just asking um please pray because the Lord is bringing so many new people to our church right now, and we have nowhere to put them. We have nowhere to send them uh, as far as small groups go. And so uh, our most of ours are literally just maxed out. And, you know, like ours, you know, we'll take people even though still at times, but I think the lack of intimacy at times uh, with that sometimes causing them to not stick. And we don't want that. We want them to build meaningful relationships and find meaningful community within the body of Christ. And we all need that. And we all know we need that. So um, be thinking about that. Be praying about that. Another piece of the puzzle uh, to be praying about is just in general, like on Sunday mornings, this isn't as big a deal for you guys because you're in the second service. But for whatever reason, our first service has become super heavy uh, with people to the point that um, to kind of explain this growth of the summer, we had uh, two Sundays in July, in July, in the summer, where we had uh, uh, over 500 one Sunday and right at like you know, lacking three people or something uh, to having 500 another Sunday. That's that's crazy talk for summer numbers. Now, we don't talk about the numbers a lot. Not, don't try to make it about that or whatever. But obviously, I mean, that does equate to people that we're reaching, you know, with the gospel. And so uh, people are important. Um, but where this really does kind of play in is uh, on Sunday mornings uh, with that kind of numbers, with those kind of numbers, and then the numbers we've had the last couple of weeks. Uh, last week, we had uh, 500 and something, and the week before that, I think we were seven shy of having 600 people here. That in of itself is, I, I wasn't even here that week, by the way. I was at a car show in Louisville. Joey wasn't either, you know, so like, you know, we're not even here. But anyway, we're getting messages from Josh McGee's, our head usher and stuff, over our deacon over ushers. And, and, he's, and he's messaging us while we're in Louisville. And he's like, hey, we got to buy some chairs. We don't have enough chairs for the people that are here today in that first service. And again, I know you're probably thinking, Chris... We're, we're the chill people who wake up late and, and barely make it to the second service. Okay, I, I get it. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm but I, I'm, I'm been supposed to make a video for the last couple of weeks, and I've kept forgetting to do it to encourage people in the first service to potentially join you guys in the second service uh, to help to help alleviate and open up some seating in the first service. Now, to go with that just a little bit, let me throw this at you too. One of the other issues is always parking. Let's say some of you may come and serve during the first service. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm just, again, I'm just throwing stuff against the wall today. You pray about it. You do what the Lord's leading you to do. One of the things that I know has happened in the past when you have so many people here at one time, um, is that people that are new will drive through the parking lot, and if they can't find anywhere to park, they leave. They don't stay. They just leave because they, you know, they don't know if we're gonna, you know, come scream at them about parking on the grass. Not that we have much of that anymore, uh, you know, or whatever it is, and so they leave. Uh, and so I'm encouraging folks to just pray about and think about uh, parking over at City Hall. They don't mind us parking over there. Come join me over there. Uh, we all need a little extra walking in our lives. Let's just face it, okay? We know it, all right? 
And so, uh, you know, park over there, whatever, just again, pray about it. If, because if you're here for both hours, especially, uh, you know, then that means, you know, that car is sitting there, or multiple cars, and a lot of people bring multiple cars. Uh, just something to think about, something to pray about to help with uh, what are really great problems to have as a church. So just throwing that out there. So pretty exciting stuff. And uh, yeah, kind of reminding me of, of really kind of what we're talking about today. Um, <clears throat> the passages that I'm teaching through today are passages that uh, are very much like this excitement within the early church. Uh, and in fact, if I had my druthers, I really wanted to teach all of chapter three, four, and five today. And we don't have enough time for that. And I've already talked too long about the things I've talked about. So, uh, But what we are doing is we're hitting snippets of some of those passages so that we can hopefully kind of get a bigger picture of some of the things that God was doing, how he was doing them, why he was doing them, some of those types of things uh, for us today. So if you've got a Bible and you want to get it out, we're going to the book of Acts, the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible or ushers have Bibles, they will gladly bring you one. Just throw your hand up and let them know that you need it. If you don't own one, keep it. We'd love for you to take it with you and you can have it and consider it a gift. Um, Coming off the heels of the message that Ben did last week where he's talking through Acts 2, you know, we see these amazing things begin to happen in Acts 2 that are really kind of leading up to the beginning of the church, right? And so this whole like beginning of the early church, we're seeing the gospel begin to be taught and literally thousands of people, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, what is this like for Peter? You know, I'm thinking like this is some kind of like Billy Graham crusade, you know, kind of moment type thing, you know, which, by the way, I love Billy Graham. Um, and so, um, but, uh, you know, what you see here is you see, you know, Peter explaining the gospel for the very first time for so many people to hear it and so many, literally thousands of people responding to that and coming to know Jesus as their Savior, right? And so you've got you've got that going on. Uh, the beginning of the church is unfolding. And I'm just thinking, like, to be Peter, man, that had to be, like, super exciting, I mean, it had just to be like a super exciting moment. I'm thinking, you know, he's probably hardly able to sleep. He just wants, you know, I mean, when when God starts working like that and the Spirit starts moving like that, you don't want to stop that, right? You just, if if you could, you would just want to live in it. It's that it's that feeling of like, you know, I did I did student camps for a million years and. Man, I, I loved camp, and part of that is just you love getting away, and there's that whole just focus on the Lord for a week that, you know, just enables us to let down things in our lives, I think, so many times to allow God to move in our hearts and do these things. And we feel this movement of the Spirit, and we're like, man, I just want to live at camp. But we can't live at camp, right? We don't get to live on the mountaintop. Nobody lives on top of, you know, the tallest mountains in the world. They go up there, and then they come back down right? And so for us, I think even, you know, seeing how exciting that must have been for Peter, I'm reminded of what it was like when we first started the church back in 2005. In fact, uh, it will be 19 years ago, uh, this 1st of September, uh, that my wife and I moved back to the area to begin working on starting the church. 
uh, and then the first service we had in January, January 2nd of 2005, it'd be 19 years this coming January. And and I just, I, I got to tell you, like in those first days, you know, just seeing like people show up to this, because like we started this thing, we didn't know if anybody would show up. I mean, like, you know, there was so many people that were like, so many like, it, church planting expert type people that were like, that ain't going to work there. You need to go. And they'd like, give me like some other area of Nashville that we should go start this church in. And I go, well, this is what we're doing. This is what we feel called to do. And so, um, but you know, those first weeks, I mean, like I can still tell you like the first week, 69 people, the second week, 80 people, the third week, 82 people. The, uh, the fourth week was like a hundred people. It was like, boom, 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 boom. You know, we just, and, and so for like the longest of time, we saw more people every week come and attend and worship with us and all of that. And it was so encouraging to us, you know, I mean, it was literally like a year and a half of like growth every week from week to week to week. And it was so exciting to see God move. And, you know, along the way, we saw people coming to know Christ, believing in him, trusting in him, their lives being changed by Jesus, which was so awesome. And then I look at this and I read this and what Peter is getting to be a part of, and I'm going, Thousands of people, thousands of people's lives are being changed. And what that must have been like for this guy to get to see this unfold. Well, as you can imagine, something like this doesn't happen without somebody coming against it. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, you know how it goes. I mean, like, you know, there's a movement of people. If there's a movement for something, there's going to be a movement against something. And so that's exactly what begins to happen because you got the religious types and all of that, you know, in the scriptures here. And we'll see that here in just a few minutes. Uh, these guys, they think they know better than everybody else who aren't believing in Jesus and, you know, haven't come to understand the truth of the gospel at this point and those kinds of things. And so they're coming against it. And, and especially leaders, they're scared to death. Oh, thousands of people are now following and believing in this guy and what he's saying. And they're saying, we killed this guy and it's all in the blood on our hands and all this kind of stuff. That's what we've got. And so we're picking up today, and what we're going to do is we're going to kind of walk through these three chapters, chapters three, four, and five, just sharing snippets, okay? And then we're going to land in five and kind of talk about, you know, what we see through the overall of what God is doing in the movement of the Holy Spirit in through Peter and the apostles and what's going on. I, I just want to share this with you. Let's look at this. Acts chapter three, um, and where we're picking up here is that there was a guy who couldn't walk, who was always put, literally like he would get carried and put out by the temple, uh, by the gate of the temple uh, for people to have to walk by and they would give him money and that kind of thing and, you know, pray for him or whatever. But, you know, this particular day, we've got Peter and John and they're walking in the temple and they see this guy. And this guy's been there. It's like, you know, this is his, this might as well be his job. This is what he does every day. He's hanging out, sitting out there. And in verse four, it says this, it says, and Peter directed his gaze at him, talking about the guy sitting on the ground who can't walk. And it says, as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So just in the matter of a moment, you know, instead of just walking by this guy, you know, many of us experience this, especially around Nashville, people that need different types of help and things that are begging and that kind of thing. You know, here's that kind of a situation with this guy. And Peter stops and he looks at this guy and he says, look at me. And he's like, I don't have any money to give you. But what I do have to give you is Jesus. And then he speaks in the name of Jesus and says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he does. Now, where this gets crazy is, again, this is a guy who's really well known for being this guy who's always out there begging and looking for help and that can't walk. And everybody knows who he is. So it's not like some guy that's just passing through town and everybody doesn't really know this guy. They know this guy. So then not only does he get up and walk, but then he goes in the temple with Peter and John. So then when he's in the temple, and again, this is where, and I encourage you, read through these passages that we're, we're skipping through some of this, some of this stuff uh, to kind of get through the whole story here today. Uh, you know, if you look at that and you see what happens, like he goes in with them and other people recognize him like, hey, what? that's, uh, that's Johnny. Johnny, Johnny can't walk. What's he doing in here? He's, he's like jumping up and down. What the heck's going on? And so word starts to spread. So where we've just been encouraging people to follow Jesus, now people are getting healed in the name of Jesus. And so, and it's not even with Jesus being there, right? And so Peter goes on, if you read the rest of chapter 3, you'll see Peter goes about teaching Jesus, uh, you know, continually throughout the rest of the passage. But then we come to Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, we pick, we pick up with uh, Peter being arraigned, he being brought in to be arrested, right? And it says in Acts 4 verse 3, it says, and they arrested them, talking about Peter and the apostles, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So we had Acts 2, I think we're up to like 3,000. By the way, that doesn't include uh, women and children, and there's a reason why they don't include that in their numbers, and I forget why that is, but it doesn't matter. Now we're up to about 5,000. Now we're still talking about men, so it's not uh, including the women and children numbers, but we're, we're gaining ground here, okay? And so in verse 4 it says, but many of those who had heard the word believed, right? So They've now arrested Peter and the apostles, but they're, it's a little too little too late as far as like shutting this whole circus down because, you know, those that have heard the word, many of them that many of them that have heard the word have now believed in Jesus and their lives are changed. And so now we have yet another moment where we're seeing this beginning of the early church and thousands of people following. And this and this is not something you hide. Well, and then couple the fact that, you know, now we've got, you know, this guy that couldn't walk and now he's been healed. Word's getting around. 
And the religious people and the leaders, they're getting upset. They're like, oh, no, we got, we got to do something. So they arrest Peter and the apostles. And it says in that passage that they tell them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Okay? And what they're saying is, we want you to stop telling people about Jesus. We're ordering you to stop telling people about Jesus. In fact, it says that they are further threatened. This is by the court, okay? This is by the leaders at this time. And that, you know, they're further threatened. Do not speak anymore about Jesus. And then they let them go because the people all around them are praising God about what this movement of God and what's going on. And so everybody's getting all jacked up. Well, then the you know, the little pious religious, you know, leader dudes, they're, they're over here shaking in their pants because, you know, there's mobs, crowds of people that are all jacked up about Jesus. And they're realizing we can't, we can't arrest these guys. We can't punish these guys because if we do, they're probably going to stone us to death. They're going to kill us. And so they're scared. So out of being scared, out of fear, they let them go because the people were praising God. And it says <clears throat> then that, the, that after that, all the believers gathered together. So uh, let's kind of take a, take a step back for a second. We've got to think about this. So Peter and his boys have now been arrested, put before the court, threatened, stop telling people about Jesus, which of course is like the thing that they feel called to do, right? And so in this whole like stop, you know, telling people about Jesus, you know, now their response is they come back, meet with other believers, and they pray. And what they pray, I want you to read it on your own. You can check that out. It's in chapter four there. This time of prayer that they have together is riddled with the word boldness. And it is that God would continue to use them to be bold in their faith, to be bold in sharing Christ with others, the very thing, the very thing that they've been threatened to not do. And we come to the end of that prayer, and then we have Acts 4.31, one verse that I want to share with you. And it says this, and it says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. That word boldness is used three times in this one chapter. And it is all about taking Jesus to the people. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The very thing they were told not to do is the very thing that they are being called to do and continue to do. After, after this time of prayer, after this time of kind of realization of like, this really is the mission, we're going to stick with the mission, we're going to keep going with it. it. It shows this section where all of the believers come together and they have all things in common. And, and if you read through that passage, what you see is you see all these people selling their stuff and basically just taking care of each other, just, you know, trying to be there for one another, providing for one another. And in fact, uh, this goes in and continues into chapter five, where we pick up with a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. 
and we don't have time to get all the way into it, but this is a couple who sells a piece of property to bring money to the believers to help one another, to help provide for others and that sort of thing. But they kept part of that money back for themselves. And, and you know, again, this is a whole nother, I've talked through this before. We've actually talked through the whole book of Acts verse by verse before. You can go back and check that out sometime. But, you know, in this verse, in this, in this passage, what you see is really just kind of a hard issue of like giving. And in fact, I encourage you that if you're struggling with your giving or, you know, what giving looks like for you or whatever that may be, I encourage you to read through that, pray, study other passages of Scripture. Uh, let the Lord lead you in that. Don't ever give, uh, you know, with any kind of, you know, anything in your heart against what you're doing. Uh, only give if you're given in joy. Let the Lord lead you in that. Uh, always glad to talk about that, and we teach about that from time to time here. But then in Acts 5, after this you know, moment of, you know, both of this couple both dying, you know, in the midst of this whole thing where they kind of hold back their money or whatever, it, it shows like that there's continuing to be these signs and wonders done through the power of the Holy Spirit through Peter and all these guys. And we pick up in verse 14 of chapter five, and it says this in verse 14. It says, and, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits that they were all healed. So now... Now we've got, I mean, the, 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 the whole landscape is changing majorly in these crazy ways where God has been doing such an amazing work through these guys. Now people are uh, almost, I'm afraid, looking toward Peter like he's Jesus, like he's the Savior. And, and we all know Peter's just a dude. He's just following the Lord. But the Lord is doing amazing things through him and through the other apostles. And so in this moment, what we're seeing is we're seeing people literally who are sick and having all kinds of issues being brought to just even to, to just lay in the streets so that as Peter might walk by them, that God might do something in healing these people and this kind of, it's a, this is a crazy thought to think about. And, and again, you know, this is, this is a moment where Peter is, is continuing to go out and to boldly do so. You know, they're not, if, if you read through these passages, they're not like going and hiding and telling people about Jesus. They're not like, hey, let's go over here where there's no leaders around. And, hey, we want to tell you guys about Jesus while nobody's here. And, you know, hey, let me kind of kind of give you the, the you know, the whatnot on all this, you know. And then, okay, now, uh, now let's go over here where there's nobody over here. And, no, they're out in plain sight. They're going to the temple. They're in Solomon's portico. They're just telling people about Jesus. They're teaching the gospel. And so what's going to happen? Here they come again. And they come and they arrest them again for telling people about Jesus. And this time it's more serious. And here's what happens in verse 17. It says, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, for they were sad, you see, right? That's the oldest Sunday school joke there possibly is, I think. 
and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Capital L, love that. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So in just a couple of verses right there, some pretty amazing things happen. First of all, the you know the, the the leader dudes they're jealous. First of all, they're they're like oh you know we can't we can't let these guys you know running around keep building up thousands of people followers and all this stuff. I mean, we got to do something. Like they they need to be following us. You know we're we're the, we're the leaders. We know what's going on. You know we we've got this figured out. They don't you know we got to do something. So let's get them in here. Let's arrest them. So they round them up, they arrest them, and put them in prison, okay? Put them in prison. (laughs) Within a short amount of time of them being in prison, night comes, an angel of the Lord comes, verse 19, but the angel of the Lord, uh, but, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said what? Hey, you guys just go on back to your families. Y'all have done a good job. No. It says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Go tell them about Jesus. Get back to it. So they've been arrested for this. They've been released by God in the night, and the angel tells them, hey, you guys just go on back to telling everybody about Jesus. Just get on back to the temple and do your thing. And it says in verse 21, and when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, here's what's funny. (laughs) The leaders don't even know that they're gone. And so then we pick up at the end of 21, and it says this. It says, now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. Go get them. Bring them in. We need to talk to them. We got to get this figured out with these guys. And verse 22, but the officers came, and they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. This is a bad look for a leader, right? You know, like it it says, it says a lot about your prison system, says about your leadership. It just, it's just bad things. It's like, this is not boding well for these guys, right? And then in verse 24, we have this says, now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them. You think? Wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force. Why? Because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. 
I love it. I love it. What's not to love about this, right? Just getting to see God have a little cat and mouse with the bad guys, right? And in verse 27, it says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? But Peter and the apostles answered, and I love this, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And then verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Surprise, surprise. So, Peter stands in front of this council, in front of the court, if you will, and is questioned, what are you doing? We told you not to do this. And he's like, well, bottom line is, I'm obeying God instead of you, which is awesome. And through this, what we're seeing is we're seeing God continue to honor the work that, you know, they're doing, despite, you know, whatever man is telling them to do. Multitudes of people coming, more and more people coming to Jesus, just these amazing things continuing to happen. Of course, this leaves... um, the court, the guys who think they know what's best, the leaders, really mad, really angry. They literally want to kill them. And over the next several verses, and you can go check this out on your own later on, but we have a guy named Theodos who comes in, and he's kind of a specialist, if you will, someone with much wisdom that apparently the court is really willing to hear. In fact, they actually tell, they actually take Peter and the apostles out and say, okay, we need to talk about this. we got to figure this out. Theodos comes in during that time, and somewhere in there, he begins to speak to them all, and he says basically, you know, hey, if you remember, there was this guy named so-and-so, and he came along, and he thought that, you know, his way was the way, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, and then he, you know, he fell away, and he's no longer around. He said, and then, you know, there's another guy, and that guy came along, and kind of the same thing, you know, he he eventually just kind of disappeared, went off into the, into the sunset. So, you know, I think what we need to do is I think we just need to kind of back up and instead of trying to do something about these guys and forcing punishment on them of some kind, I think, I think we should just let it go. Now that's where I want to pick up because interestingly enough, he says, I think we should let it go because if it's of man, it's going to, they're going to disappear. Nothing's going to happen. But if it's of the Lord, That's a different story. So I pick up Acts 5, verse 38. It says this. It says, so I present, this is Theodos again talking to them. says, so in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan 
or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. We love these stories of getting to see God working and protecting and doing these things. And they oftentimes remind us of a lot of things in real life, if you're like me. And I think if we're not careful, I think we look at a story like this and we just go, you know, well, you know, it's awesome. You know, God protects them and, you know, no harm, no foul. Well, I don't think that you can say no harm. (laughs) They're still beat. They were still put into prison, although it was a short sentence. It was only short because they literally feared that they were going to get killed if they tried to put them back there. But in the end, there was suffering. And I, I think we get that. We understand that. We know that life is full of suffering. And if we look back, even at the whole of like Peter's life and, and what God is calling him to do, what we see, I really believe, is we and, I, and we see this all throughout Scripture, is we see God calling people to a people. You know what I'm saying? I think one of the unfortunate things about the modern church for so many uh, ministers, if you will, is that they kind of treat churches like stepping stones and they bounce and they go from one to another. By the way, we're incredibly blessed to have had the pastoral staff that we have at 24, almost, almost the entire team for so, so, so many years and many of them even since the beginning. Unbelievable, unheard of, complete God thing. Like we need to thank the Lord for that. Um. But I see so many folks kind of bounce, you know, friends that I've had in the ministry and stuff too, just bounce from thing to thing. And it's like, oh, well, there's a, this is a better benefits package over here and a better pay over here and a better. And, and at some point, usually in those conversations, they say, what about you? Where are you going? I'm like, man, call to a people. What about that? What about you? What about who are you called to? Because if you keep bouncing around, you completely miss it. Who are we called to? Here's the question. Who are you called to? Who are we called to? Who's 24 Church called to? 19 years ago, we felt called to a people then. That doesn't change overnight. Who's God put in our lives, in your lives? Who Who are there on purpose You know, because I think if you really look back and you think about this, you'll recognize that God's put a bunch of people in your life on purpose that he's called you to. What do we do with that calling? What does it look like for us to be faithful in carrying out the mission 
in which God has given us. We, we see, we see in this that Peter, is, you know, we're reminded through Peter for us to trust the Lord, not in man. Peter reminds us to trust the Lord, not in man. Peter reminds us to follow the Lord, not man. Peter reminds us of the power of prayer. Those guys getting together, praying together, praying about what the Lord is calling them to. I, you know, I can only imagine for at least maybe some of the apostles. I, I'm not going to speak for any of them necessarily, Peter or the like. But there had to be some moments in there where they're like standing in front of the court and kind of going, I don't know about this. And just even in the back of their minds, even if they weren't saying out loud, there's got to be like that some little like whisper of like, I don't know, maybe we should have done something different back there. Maybe I should have gone and been a dentist or something, right? And they get together and they pray. And the Spirit moves. And literally the place that they're in shakes as this reminder of God continuing to work, continuing to have his hand on them, continuing to heal people, not just of their physical ailments, but of their sin. Healing people of their sin, bringing forgiveness on their lives through the blood of Jesus on the cross. Peter reminds us that the Holy Spirit can lead us. Ben and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago about just how easy it is to be so programmed as a church or an individual or however you want to take this, okay? But to be so programmed and so planned out at times that there's no room left for the Holy Spirit to lead in some other way. I don't want to, I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that guy. If God wants to lead me to do something, I want to be open to that. I want to hear that. I want to hear from him. I want us to be able to hear from him. I want us to be able to kind of say, you know what? I, you know, right now we need to do this. The Lord's leading in this way. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us. And Peter reminds us that we may suffer for the sake of Christ. Peter also reminds us of our mission. And you know what that is. Three times in chapter four, that word comes up. And what did it say there in verse 31? It said, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. And I look at what they were going through, and I go, man, we got it easy. We got it easy. What's, what's really coming against us sharing Jesus with the people that he has put in our lives? What's really coming against that? Is it that we're going to be in court and possibly prison tomorrow? No, I don't think so. That day may come, but it's not here yet. We have the opportunity to share Jesus with people right now. And I know so many of us, oh, well, you know, Chris, I don't think I know enough to share Jesus with people. Look, if Jesus has saved you from your sin, you know enough to share Jesus with the people that you love. Because all you've got to be able to, you don't have to be able to explain every little thing. You can literally just say, he has changed my life. 
He has forgiven me of my sin. He's made me a new person. He has set me free from the things that I used to be chained to. That's what Jesus has done. And we're called to boldly sharing. And so today, the most important question I got for you is, have you trusted Jesus to be your Savior? Do you know him? Do you know him? Not do you know about him. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? God sent his son to die on the cross to die. A death that we deserve for our sin to pay the penalty for that sin that we might be set free, that we might be given new life. God wants to do that in you today. If you've never trusted in him, he wants to do it in you today. And all you have to do is receive the gift of his grace and say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I know I need you to save me. I know I need you to forgive me. Do that today. In fact, we're going to pray in just a minute, and you can pray that if you want to, and I'm going to go out to the foyer. And if you'd like to talk about it, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you about it and encourage you however I can. But for those of us as believers today, we're reminded of two words, two words, boldly go. Let's pray. God, we come to you needing your help, needing your leading in our lives. Lord, lead us, help us to see through the lens that you want us to see the people that you have placed in our lives, the people that we are related to, the people that we work with, the people we go to school with. God, I pray that you would help us to see this life as a life worth living for you and not ourselves that we would see this, these as opportunities, these people that you're placing in our lives as opportunities to get to be Jesus to them. God, help us to do that. Help us. Give us the words to say. Help us to be faithful to you in that. Lord, be glorified in us. God, for anybody that's never trusted in you, never asked for you to save them, God, I pray that right now that they would cry out your name and say, Lord, save me today. Forgive me today. Make me new today. God, I believe in Jesus today. I believe in what he did on the cross. God, make my life new. Make it good. Make it for you. Lord, lead me and give me a purpose to boldly go and help others to know you too. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray all this today. Amen.